Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, the podcast for body, mind, and heart. And today's episode is all about Enneagram 4. So I would love to introduce our guest today. She's a friend and a colleague. Her name is Lauren, and she is the Enneagram 4. So Lauren is a yoga teacher. She has been teaching since 2018. It was a life-changing experience for her, and ever since then, not only has she been teaching yoga, but she continued to study a lot of um, things about not only yoga, but Ayurveda and Bhakti. She is also proudly sober for nearly three years, and therefore she has a passion for supporting women in recovery. She wants to help women feel empowered to find their purpose and deeper meaning in their life and sobriety. Off the mat, Lauren is a mother to an amazing daughter. She loves spending time in nature. She loves having soulful conversation, building community, gardening, writing, reading, and listening to inspiring podcasts. She currently is facilitating a creative group that is called The Artist Way, and it is modeled after the author, uh, Julia Cameron, um, her work. And she also is, Lauren also is a co-founder to a private community for women in recovery called The Healing Hive. So if any of you would like any more information about the artist way process or healing with the hive, Christy and I are putting all of that information on our website, which is www.enneagramplusyoga.com. That way, not only are you able to listen to the episode, you'll be able to connect with Lauren and we will include the links to all of the groups that I've just mentioned. So please take some time, listen to the episode. We truly hope you enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> so once again, hello everyone. And I, uh, Kat and Christy here. Yeah. Yep. And um, thank you so much for tuning in. And today we have a really special person as a guest, uh, special for me personally, um, because I have a lot of affection for her and I admire her in personal and professional way. She is a friend and a colleague, Lauren, and um, we're just super excited to have you. Oh, Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And we were just talking before starting to tape and Christy and I usually we prep our questions just to kind of have a little roadmap uh, before we start talking to our guests. And Lauren said, hey, are we going to talk about how we know each other? And I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. Of course, we got to talk about how we know each other. So, Lauren, I'll let you take it away. Thank you. I mean, it's so important. I I feel like there's certain people that have been put in my path that have been really influential. And you, Kat, have been one of those people, especially in my yoga life. Um, In 2018, you know, a big part of my journey was that I was very depressed at that point in my life. I had done a lot of therapy and we might talk a little bit about my past Mm -hmm. and my trauma (laughs) and my healing journey. But I was really kind of at a crossroads in 2018 at the early part of that in January. And um, I took a class. I hadn't taken – yoga was part of my journey already for a long, long time. But I hadn't really given myself permission to sign up for teacher training. There Mm -hmm. were all kinds of reasons for that. Um, Lots of shame involved, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, here with as being an Enneagram for Mm -hmm. myself. But um, your class just resonated with me deeply as – 
you know, sometimes a yoga class does and a teacher does. And I think it was the first class I'd ever taken from you. And it just brought me back to life. And at least it brought me just back to life enough to Mm -hmm. sign up for teacher training. That was starting the next month. That was just like super last minute, February 2018 Mm -hmm. start date. And yeah, it just, the rest is history. I mean, that was such a huge part of my I mean, still such a huge part of my journey in learning how to feel good enough in the world and confident with myself and feeling that sense of belonging that I think I never really had that or I I kind of when I think about the pervading feeling of my life, it's that I never really felt like I belonged Mm -hmm. and Southern Soul and Mm -hmm. that studio and yoga and you Thank you. you know, Thank helped you, led me to that sense of belonging. Well, I'm here to tell you, and I've taken your classes. First of all, what a gift to the world for oh, you being now able I'm to teach. Cry. I know, like I'm cheered <laughs> up. I know. We're going to have a love fest, you guys. It's <laughs> a love fest but right I now. Have, but it has to be said. You know, I always say people, when something's shitty, people jump on it right away and make it known. But if it's something good, a lot of times we think it, but we never verbalize it. So two things. One, what a gift to the world for you to be teacher, mm. truly, honestly. Mm. And I have been to your classes, and what I love about classes is you create the environment of belonging. Mm. Like, it makes me feel very emotional because I think that you know what it feels like not to, Mm. and you create that atmosphere and Mm. that experience, even for an hour, that I've personally felt so... (sighs) Any who you guys, <laughs> don't cry in any of them. Oh it's my so gosh, and lots of well, emotion here because we're with a four, and, and the fours four. bring that out of us, right? The- I will tell you. So beyond just Lauren being amazing, and I have said it before, a four for me on Enneagram, uh, the most enigmatic number. Mm. It truly is a unicorn. I admire it. I want to see it. I'm semi-scared of it because it is so <laughs> special. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I'm mm-hmm. super excited to talk to you this afternoon because a four for me, and I've said it, it is just this enigma that I want to know everything. Like, I want to be next to it. Oh, my gosh. Well, and I want to know four, I want to drink that up and just be like, yeah. <laughs> I'm special. You are. (laughs) And I mean, if I had to pick a number, because we always want to be another number, right? And if I had to pick a number, I would want to be a four because they're so deep. They feel their feelings. They're Mm. creative. They're philosophical. There's so much about the four that I want to be more like. And the four, of course, I'm a two. So the four is my air of health. So I become the best version of myself. I love I'm a two, four. twos. Yeah. <laughs> well, One of, some of my best friends are twos. Really? For sure. Fours yeah. and twos I, I need get a along two. well. They I help a- stabilize me. <laughs> <laughs> they're my mamas. <laughs> I have a lot of fours in my life. But yeah, they, they're great. And, and I really resonated with what you said about you found a yoga studio that helped you feel like that sense of belonging because fours do feel like a misfit, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So tell me about the Enneagram and how it's helped you to heal a part of your story that you needed to heal. Yeah. I think that's a good segue because a misfit or just that feeling of I don't belong or Mm -hmm. I'm different than other people or I'm misunderstood or even the feeling that I was adopted and not, or like, you know, switched at birth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I had that feeling from the time I can remember. Now what's maybe 
notable is that I had a lot of childhood trauma and I was a survivor of sexual abuse, which if you listen to my other interview, which you all have and, um, and I'm very vocal about that. I think it's important to talk about it because I know sadly the story that I have is really not all that unique to Mm me. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, you know, it made me feel quite separate and different. And so there's a part of my story that I think I feel I always thought was trauma related. But then there's like, you know, once I found the Enneagram and I was reading like fours that feel this way, just in general, I'm like, well, part of me is like, oh, yeah, it's my trauma. But then part of me is like, it's just that I'm a four also. Like there's some fours yeah. I know that didn't experience that level of trauma mm-hmm. and they still feel like they didn't weren't born in the right family or like that they weren't, you know, like they may have had this loving, nurturing upbringing and yet still feel that way. So there's Mm -hmm. something about that where I'm not to minimize my experience with trauma for you, but it can be both. And, and that's such an important part of my just becoming whole is knowing that can be both. And like, Oh yes, I had this experience that was awful. And, but there's healing that can be had. And also there's just a little bit of like, I always feel like I'm other. I always kind of have this feeling of, you know, if I don't, if I don't watch it, I'm always like, ah, I'm just don't belong here. Or, you know, (laughs) nobody understands me. You know, that's kind of a big, um, you know, that's, but I have to watch that because I don't want to become a victim. And, and that can be, you know, I think fours can easily slip into like victimization. So yeah. Noticing mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Just being aware of it (laughs) and acknowledging it and just, being like you know I don't have to blame everything on my trauma sometimes it's just nature and nurture you know it's yeah. both it's both yeah but that's a helpful thing for me to know because I think you know we do go through I know I went through a lot of like therapy and I looked at you know my parents and looked at my upbringing and I think some people are reluctant to do that because they think I'm going to blame my parents or I'm going to kick them or I'm going to drag them through the mud and really like my parents for me, therapy was about coming to forgiveness and yes. coming to an acknowledgement of like, they did the best they could, even with the shitty thing, you know, yeah. excuse yeah. my language, even no. with the things that happened yeah. that shouldn't have happened to me, they did the best they could. And also I was born just a certain way and yeah. that's okay too. And like, I'm always feeling a little bit like other and... You know. Unicorn, like I love it. I like being <laughs> called a unicorn. Let's go with that. Except, I, I love it. And I think I, my mom. You. you know, maybe my mother or my brother might be like more like moody or unicorn. <laughs> you know, yeah. difficult might be a better word. But unicorn, you let's go with that. I love it. I love it. I have a question. A moody, broody unicorn. <laughs> yeah, I have a question for you, Lauren. So, yes. do you have a memory of one of your first emotional experiences or expression? And if you do, how do you reflect on it now? Okay. So actually, um, you know, I did get these questions ahead of time and this one really popped out for me. Um, and it's kind of related to one of the others that you said, which one way that I've always expressed myself from the time I was very, very young is with journaling. Okay. And I remember purchasing my very first journal when I was on a vacation in DC or it was like a family trip. I want to call it vacation. It was Uh a lot of like sightseeing and I was very young. Uh I was like not even nine Wow. And if you've done DC, you yeah. know, like it can be it's pretty intense, it's right? You kind of need to, I don't know if nine, I feel like 
11, 12, 13, you might be able to, but anyways, lots of walking, lots of monuments, seeing lots of museums. And it was very intense. And I think for my little four self, it was a hard week for Mm -hmm. me. You know, we were on spring break and my family was really, you know, pushing me and I was the baby of the family. So the youngest, my brother's older, probably better to, you know, and, and he always kind of handled the, he's a nine, I think. Okay. I mean, I don't know that he's ever identified himself, but I think Mm -hmm. a nine. Okay. So nines are peacemakers. Never had any problems. I mean, Mm -hmm. up against my little four self, I always felt like, God, why can't I get it together? Like him, you know, I'm just like, Oh, these big feelings and my mom doesn't know how to handle that. And I think that's what led me to buying a journal, you know, at such a really, really young age because my, my first entries are so phonetic, you know, I can barely read them. Um, and, but it was just like, I was stressed out. I think (laughs) I was really stressed out. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who to turn to, um, and that journal. And so actually my brother now lives in DC and I've, I've taken trips there recently. And, and the national cathedral is actually where I bought my first journal. So every time I see the national cathedral, I think of my little four, nine-year-old self who was, you know, struggling, but also I've kept a journal from that point on. Do you still journal? I still journal. So you find it helpful. Oh my gosh. Yes. In what way? I mean, the thing about journaling is it's like doing a little gold mine or like a little mining of yourself. I feel like, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, even for a four who's pretty in touch, I think with their emotions, Mm -hmm. stuff can really be buried in there and journaling can really like knock loose or help you dig into, you know, every so often you'll be like journaling, all of a sudden something comes up and you're like, oh, there it is. Uh-huh. That's what I'm feeling. Or that's the problem. Or that's the aha moment I was yeah. looking for. So, yeah, it's 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 amazing to me that my my little, you know, eight or nine year old self had that intuition to go mm-hmm. to that yeah. because I did feel misunderstood in my family. And I was misunderstood in my family yeah. there. You know, that was yes. And like it was like, yes, mm-hmm. I was a four and, you know, unique unicorn. Mm-hmm. But also like I experienced a lot of abuse and neglect mm-hmm. that shouldn't have happened, you know, and yeah. again, parents Sorry. did the best they could. But that journal was like my lifeline and it was a way to, to get out what I was feeling. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's, I love it. So one of my closest friends is trying to discern whether she's a two or a four and uh, she journals all the time. Journaling is something I've had this off and on relationship with as a two. But when I think of my friend, she's so introspective. She does a lot of journaling. Now, I'm not going to tell her if she's a two or a four, because like yoga, the Enneagram is a journey of the self to the self. It's her discovery process. But I would say for people out there listening, that if you love to journal, it might be, it might be an indicator. And you're a very introspective internal processor who needs to write it down. It might be an indicator that you're four or nine or, you know, a five, uh, a, a, a type of person that likes to turn inward and put things down. A, a lot of beautiful writers in my life are nine and fours. Mm. So and and so I would just offer that to anybody listening who's trying to figure out mm-hmm. who am I, mm-hmm. um, that if you love to journal, hmm, look at the four, look at the nine, yeah. look at the five. Um, mm-hmm. Now that 
all nine numbers journal. Like I said, I, I journal, but not as actively as my friend who's trying to figure out her number. So I'll just offer that. But uh, the deadly passion of the four is envy. For some fours, uh, that envy can show up as comparison. For other fours, competitiveness. Um, So do you struggle with envy? And if so, how does it show up for you in your life, Lauren? Now, I know when I looked at this question, I wanted to immediately be like, oh, no, I don't struggle with envy. (laughs) That was my immediate reaction. And then I was like, let's really let's examine that a little deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I mean, I think it's so deep seated in my being again, maybe it's the four, maybe it's the maybe lack of like being built up in my family that I really needed that space or that kind of acceptance that I didn't get. But I, I have always felt like I wasn't good enough. And I think that that lends itself to feeling like you need to be competitive Mm -hmm. or constantly comparing yourself. And so, yeah, I think my baseline is that (laughs) in a lot of ways, like my baseline, at least, uh, you know, this is what I'm healing from is like always kind of looking around to figure out like what I need to do to like be better. Mm -hmm. It's not an intrinsic thing, even though really I've learned now it is, there's so much beauty inside of me, but either it's my trauma or my Enneagram four that from a very young age, constantly looking around to see like, you know, Oh, if, if she's got the converse high tops, I'm going to get the converse high tops. If she's going to play this instrument, I'm going to play this instrument. Like, you know, kind of deciding who's good, good or better than me and sort of trying to like be that Mm -hmm. person. And that has been not a great way to be in my life, honestly, you know, Mm -hmm. and that pattern, um, It's interesting, too, because I think also part of my persona has always been to um, give myself or act a little more confident than I really feel. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people feel like I don't have. Yeah. Like I want to put on this show that I'm cool. I got it all together, you know, and really, I think that I have had a lot of insecurity in my life. Mm -hmm. And that has showed up as like trying to, you know compare myself to others and be highly competitive for sure. Mm. You know, learning to acknowledge my own truth and acknowledge I even have my own sort of wisdom and sort of accept what I love, Mm. no matter what other people care Mm. about has been a journey for me. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, and that's what yoga is about is, and, and the Enneagram, are about making the unconscious conscious, right? And so you d- you wanted to disown that envy, but you know this self aware part of you that's making that unconscious conscious is owning. Yeah, I do struggle with comparison, and yeah. and I would say that we are all nine numbers, so most of us struggle with that. Yeah. But the four can struggle with that in deeper ways. It can show up as like comparing yourself to others or this grass is always greener, that there's a better place to live, Mm. a better boyfriend, a better whatever out there. Oh, for sure. And I think even, I think you said shame. I mean, it's just fundamentally, I think it's shame Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. That Mm -hmm. is what is that all of that with underneath all of that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've, I've definitely had to do a ton of work on shame and understanding even what 
that word means. Mm -hmm. Like when I got into therapy, I'm like, what is that? What is shame? Um, And the difference between shame and guilt. And then also the fact that there's actually healthy ways to feel shame. Like just, Mm -hmm. just a sense of humanness, I think is feeling healthy shame. Like knowing I'm human, I'm going to make mistakes and that's okay. But then there's the unhealthy shame of feeling like I just am not good enough. I'm fundamentally somehow flawed. Like mm-hmm. that's, I think, what I've really had to heal from. And that's, you know, manifested in all kinds of ways that make me, you know, compare and not feel good enough and not feel like I belong and not feel worthy enough, you know. Mm-hmm. So it kept me from signing up for teacher training yeah. for so, so long mm-hmm. is that like I don't belong. Look at look at all these beautiful skinny yoga teachers that like you know just ugly narratives that I would think Mm. that you know ultimately came from my own insecurities of like you know not being able to say I'm worthy of doing what I really love and I might actually have something to offer this world yeah Yeah. you are worthy you've reframed that ugly narrative it it takes a while but yes it (laughs) takes a lifetime probably I mean the journey is uh, yeah never over but certainly I think you know, there is a, I think there is a point when you heal just enough so that you continue down that road, you know, Mm -hmm. where you kind of do see enough of your light. Um, and for me, I think really that was teacher training. Like when I finally really truly felt it like deep in my bones, I belong here. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, I still like, it's not always clear to me what the, the purpose is and, you know, but that's, that's driven a lot of like my last few years is realizing, Oh my God, I do belong here. And literally, mm-hmm. like, I think yeah. it's just a, from a higher source. Like I belong here. I have something to give. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in yoga, we call it Dharma when you yeah. really discover that you have purpose. gifts yeah. that you were given and there's a way to give those gifts back. And that's what you're here to do. I mean, that just changes everything. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. And f- for our listeners, just to plug down the road, we are going to do an episode on shame in the Enneagram and yeah. all nine numbers experience shame. Oh, yeah. but the two, the three and the four experienced it the most profoundly mm. and they're considered to be in the shame triad of the Enneagram. So, so yes, yeah, so the two, the three and the four <laughs> experience it the most but I would say the one experiences it a lot too I mean they have a strong inner critic they Mm -hmm. need that message of I am enough but we're going to look at all nine of the numbers and do an episode on that and you were talking about the distinction between guilt and shame and guilt is I made a mistake and shame is that deeper I am a mistake yeah yeah Yeah. so painful to feel that too it is and it really limits your life you know limited my life because it just yeah, it limits you to just almost really nothing because you don't feel like you have anything to give. It's mm-hmm. really, really painful place to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I do. I mean, I can almost feel myself in that place, you know. And so like Kat said, that's the, that's the safety and space I try to create in my yoga classes because yeah. I know that so much healing can happen when mm-hmm. you create a space like that for people yeah. that mm-hmm. they can just feel like it's going to be okay yeah. and mm-hmm. there's hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I agree. I agree. Let me ask you about creativity. So one of the reasons I love a four because of so much creativity that you bring to the world. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about how do you express yourself creatively? So I already mentioned the the journaling, right. which, you know, has um, and journaling and, and writing. They're very close. You know, I'm, I consider myself a writer, but, you know, that's 
time for me to even feel confident being like, I'm a writer. Um, but intrinsically, whether I'm published or not, that is a gift that was given to me a hundred percent. So I just fully embrace now. I'm a writer. I've written all my life. I continue to write. And something that I've discovered recently is the artist way process, which um, is a 12 week creative recovery process. And this book is written by Julia Cameron. It's been around for 30 years or more. And um, I've discovered it through, actually, I knew about it for a long time, which is kind of the story people have. Oh, yeah, I've had that. I've got that book on my shelf or whatever. But I rediscovered it during lockdown and COVID. And some friends of mine got together and said, hey, let's go through this process. We were all over the country. Some actually in other parts of the world even. And we would zoom together once a week Mm -hmm. and then go through this process Mm -hmm. together, just sort of holding ourselves accountable. So the artist way kind of involves a lot of tools. um, And one of the main tools is morning pages where you wake up first thing in the morning and write three pages of stream of consciousness. So it's a little different than even journaling because journaling is really sometimes a topic or you're writing about coherent. your day mm-hmm. but yeah coherent mm-hmm. the morning page is not even supposed to be mm-hmm. it's supposed to be like i'm cold this is stupid i got nothing uh-huh. to say like you just write until you have three pages yeah. and they might not even be that legible you know and they might be all over the place but it's really meant to kind of just be a brain dump in the morning and it's a meditation yeah. of sorts you know it's truly a way to just even sometimes I'll do a body scan to get into the subconscious mind and just feel like my back is achy or you know noticing physical sensations is a good way to help you kind of really get into the stream of consciousness um, so every morning in COVID that's how I woke up I would get up and I'd do my morning pages Um, and there's other there's other tools involved and each week you read and each week you systematically go through basically recovering you know a lot of people are like well I'm not an artist so I'm not going to do this process but I think really it's just about being creatively involved in your life yeah you Mm -hmm. just you know you could you take yourself beautiful say it again being creatively involved in your life like can we just (laughs) stop and think about the like even the like I have chills that's what I'm I'm telling you like I have an obsession with the four yeah well we're like it gets me emotional we're kind of not very practical people either we're just like let's just go do art you know all of us it's beautiful <laughs> that's, that's, let's go that's on. the beauty of the world yeah it is beautiful it's incredible it is beautiful so yes it's i and actually this is one way people can connect with me and you know i can give you my information yes um we is that put it on our website yes we so will you guys, put it on the website enneagram plus yoga dot Mm-hmm. Please yes. visit our website so you're able to connect with Lauren. Yes, because I've actually, so I went through this process and then I, I was like, I'm going to start taking women through this process. So I have actually taken about four groups now through this process and they're all over the country and sometimes international, you know, because it's anybody can do it. They can just zoom once a week with me and you wow. do the process independently. But then once a week you have this group, it's women right now. I'm just doing women only. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, that might change, but mm-hmm. for now I just feel like in any recovery process, female only just a little safer as sure. all. It, it seems to be that we can kind of be a little more transparent with each other. Um, and I'm probably going to start a group, not until this January, okay. but, but people can, 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 
get my email or yes, we'll talk. The way to connect. Um, but yeah, you go through this process. It's a commitment though. It's three months, 12 weeks, wow. which is why I think a group is so nice. And if mm-hmm. you truly want to go through it, um, it's something that I think a lot of women really felt like was a life changing experience for them. And it gives you connection, which is like part of, I mean, a part of, I think what a four needs more than anything is connection with other people because, you know, and you hadn't gotten there yet, but like talking about the moody broody stuff and like Mm -hmm. kind of combating the feelings of, inadequacy or shame or being alone or being alone is community. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have had really had to be methodical about finding community. You know, first it was Southern soul. And then I found like my recovery communities and I run a cover recovery community called the healing hive, which is a private group on Facebook only for women. And there, these are women that are in recovery for alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the artist way is just independent. Anybody can do that process. That's a woman. And, um, I mean, anyone can do that process on their own period. But the thing about having a group that I was going to say, that's so nice is I think anybody knows you sign up to do anything for three months and you're going to want to quit. Yeah. Oh, you know, anything. Um, even if it's something fun, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's nice to have the accountability and, you know, I've had, I've gleaned so much from it and I, I stray from it and then I come back to it just like yoga, sure. you know, there's times when you're a little bit more on your practice and then there's times when you're not, Of course. but the artist way has really helped connect me back to my creative self, which really died during the period where I was struggling with addiction, which we kind of haven't talked about and we don't have to, but that was a huge part of my story. A huge part of like my young adult years were spent. I feel like not living at all my full potential and really feeling not good enough, inadequate and, and self-medicating because I just didn't feel, you know, like I had anything to contribute. So um, the artist way has brought me back to my creativity because you know, given the trauma, given the addiction, so much of that can deaden the connection you have to your artistic self. Yeah. So I lost a lot of like what makes the four sparkle, I think, yeah. in those years that I was using because, you know, I just didn't feel good enough. So it's like all a vicious circle. And let me tell you what I think is so important from what I'm hearing you say. There's so much content out there right now. You can Google anything and find anything. But there's a vast difference from working with somebody who has gone through the process. So you're not just talking the talk. You have walked the walk. The same with yoga. I deeply feel that you're a yoga teacher and you don't have your own practice. It will. Sh- it shows. The same with writing, the same with support groups. So I admire that in you, that not only have you worked through the process yourself, and I can only imagine that how gritty it was and how Mm -hmm. difficult and how messy, but also to be able to offer that up. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Trauma healing is gritty and it's messy and it takes time and it takes money. Yeah. (laughs) Usually Mm -hmm. privilege. Yeah. Like, yeah, not everybody has the privilege to heal. And I think that, you know, I, I feel eternally grateful that I was able to, because many, many people don't have the privilege, the time, the money, the space. 
yeah. afforded to them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. and I came to yoga teacher training already done a lot of gritty work, mm-hmm. you know, and I had a couple more years and now I'm not, I wouldn't say done with therapy at all mm-hmm. by any means, but the group and the kind of specific type of therapy I was doing to recover from my childhood stuff is sort of wrapped at mm-hmm. this point, you mm-hmm. know, um, And I think at some point you have to kind of decide it's time to move forward from this. There's always going to be some regressions and there's always going to be revisiting of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, it was hard. And thank you for saying that. Um, But it's incredible how much it takes to even, you know, step into the room of a teacher training program and feel like I'm worthy to be here. It took a lot. And um, I'm so grateful because, yeah, because now in such a beautiful way, it's not like I feel the sense of like ego that I'm here. Right. It's a true humble feeling. Yeah. And I don't, I don't even know how people could teach from another place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I really don't. And every single day, even when I come to teach this morning, it's like, I have to teach always from where I'm at. I right. can never teach anything else. So I don't, I don't know how other, I, but you, you can, you do know to, you can tell when you're in the presence of somebody mm-hmm. who maybe doesn't have the practice, yeah. you know, yeah. or is kind of walking the walk. You, yeah. It shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank kudos to you. And thank you. Thank you. So you just mentioned addiction and sort of wanting to talk about that. And so tell me how has yoga and or the Enneagram helped you with healing the addiction? So, I mean, yoga is such an integral part of my addiction and sobriety, you know, addiction healing and sobriety journey. Um, And I mean, and the Enneagram is too. What's funny though is I didn't really know about the Enneagram until just a few years ago when I got sober. And the girl who um, I actually we'll call my sober sister and she and I mm-hmm. have the same sobriety date and we've sort of journeyed together on this path. She's a very, very different story, which will remain anonymous, but my story and her story, you know, crossed paths, thank goodness. And she was obsessed with the Enneagram and was like, you got to know what the, you got to find out. And she's, I think she might've already been like, you're a four, but you need to find out like, or I don't know if she may be, I think she Enneagram to me and she's got a daughter who's a four. Enne- I, <laughs> I love that. Enneagram to me. Yep. <laughs> Uh, one person at a time Enneagram and people one person at a time yeah it's a verb now or it's an action Um, I love it yeah and she's a I think she's a two although I'm like she sort of feels like a one she's also still in love she's moved all over the place actually I think for a while she identified as an eight and then she's like I'm not an eight Um, but her daughter's a four and she and I think her brother's a four but anyway she I'll, I'll go back to talking about yoga and my addiction but the Enneagram was never introduced to me till I got sober. And that's Mm -hmm. a great thing about people that are like in recovery is they're doing a lot of hard work on themselves, which is similar to people in yoga, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, not always, but you know, a lot of times in yoga, you find people that are really on the path of self-discovery and, and, you know, owning their stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and really want to unearth the shadow parts of themselves and really come to a place of wholeness. And, um, so the Enneagram definitely has been a huge part of my addiction. And I would, I don't think I would have found it without sobriety. Um, Mm -hmm. but then yoga specifically, I just don't think I could, I mean, 
it's such a lifeline. And Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that really I wanted to specifically say that changed for me in 2018, which was the year I did teacher training Mm -hmm. and the year I got sober. So that was big year for me and actually about to be three years sober, October 1st. Congratulations. Thank you. Very exciting. Um, but it was not necessarily the power yoga classes that Mm -hmm. were as helpful. It was when I started to really lean into yin and restorative classes that Mm -hmm. my really had a big shift. So teacher training 2018. Um, I mean, I'm a, I've got a lot of talk yoga doshas, you know, Mm -hmm. very fiery and out the gate, you know, Mm -hmm. out the gate. I want to like do all the yoga. I'm like, you know, and I think there was like a challenge where you're, you know, miles on the mat challenge and I'm coming and I injured myself really quickly in 2018. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't do a lot of stuff right away, you know? And I mean, I I was also really heavy and there was just a lot of things happening. Like, you know, I'm too much too soon and I get hurt. And then I'm like, well, I probably should do some yin, but I had literally never taken a yin class until 2018. Mm -hmm. Never. Mm -hmm. And definitely never restorative yoga. Like, mm-hmm. what a waste of time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this was my, this was the and, pitta. And you yeah, said the pitta. And I also realized, too, my nervous system. So, you know, talk about, like, the scientific aspect of it. I really had a lot of healing that needed to be done just in, like, mm-hmm. that overactive trauma, sympathetic nervous systems, just always, you know, fight or flight is something Mm -hmm. that I can really easily slip into even now as a trauma survivor. Like, especially as a child, if you experience a lot of trauma, you have complex post-traumatic stress. It's not unlike being a soldier, you know, where Mm -hmm. it's super easy to be overactivated. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that in myself. And I mean, cortisol is oh my god yes and it's Mm -hmm. interesting because like I said I was a lot heavier in 2018 and so you know I'm like trying to do power and you know lose the weight the way you think Mm -hmm. and really what I needed was the cortisol levels needed to be lowered and I needed my stress levels to go down and you needed to like everything just happened and then I mean of course I quit drinking and that helped because (laughs) drinking is a bunch of calories but you know this magic thing happened where it was like I slowed down Mm -hmm. And the weight just like dropped off and it's stayed off. And I really don't think it had anything to do with power or, you know, sweating. It was all about resting and digesting Mm, and learning how to process and learning how to just be and learning how to just be still. And that's still like the first class I ever got at Southern Soul that was mine was Yen because I really it changed my life. I was like, this is, and even in training, I started doing meditations Mm -hmm. and guiding people through the slower stuff and feedback I was getting from my fellow students were like, this is what you're supposed to do. I mean, I even get chills. I'm like, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? I was so blindsided by it. Cause again, I'm like, triathlons yeah, yeah. I was like run bike muscle it up I was yeah. never in a yin class I was never like oh yeah let's all chill no but now I mean now you meet me and you would never really know that about me because I think most people yeah. think I'm just like uh, let's be zen Mm-mm. yeah I had to really work for that yeah you know really work for that I still get activated pretty easily. But it's no, but you know, and I have been to a young class. It's very authentic. It's, and how beautiful that you made that full circle. And your story is not, I've never taken a young class till I went my, to my 300 hour teacher training. How, like, I would say, how embarrassing is that? I called myself a yoga teacher and I thought yoga was vinyasa and power. Yeah. And then I've learned there's yin and there's restorative. And oh my gosh. 
So mm-hmm. yeah, and it's, it's magic. Important. There's magic yeah, there. Yoga is so multifaceted, as yeah. Enneagram, so multifaceted. So we do want to encourage our listeners to try every style of yoga mm-hmm. and know that there's so many out there that have nothing to do with physical anything. Yeah. And it's still yoga. Yeah. yeah. So get get informed, get educated, connect with us, and we'll be happy to share. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, the classes that you don't want to go to are probably the ones you need to go to. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. For me, the slower the classes, the better my shavasana is. Now, everybody's different, but mm-hmm. but I live a fast-paced, busy yep. life, and I need to slow down. And when I slow down, I start to feel things. And when I feel things, I open myself up to a very meditative space in shavasana. So. Yeah, we we always need the medicine we don't want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think most of us in our culture need to slow down and yeah. take in yep. and restorative classes from time to time. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Well, or said. or just drop, 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 and and yoga yourself. You know, it's amazing mm-hmm. how much just five to ten minutes on your own can Makes do a too. Difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So my next question to you, and I'm looking at it, was uh, about your most favorite creative individual um, of all times in any medium. But, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to put you in the spot, and it's entirely up to you whether you want to go with it or not. But I have listened to you uh, talk. You are extremely well-read. Like, I would want to get your recommendation for just books that matter to you. So if you... Would care to talk about that? I would love That's to. That's a big question. <laughs> yes. Well, I would love to answer the creative individual question yes. just because I feel like it marries our topic so well. Sure. The creativity and the yoga. Yeah. Um, and I mean, of course, again, I think the four want to be like very lofty with like, oh, it's Ernest Hemingway or it's, you know, somebody sure. really classic, which I, yes, I have examined lots of, lots of literature. And, yeah. but I would say the person to me, that just pops into my head and I can't deny it is Elizabeth Gilbert. Mm. And she is of eat, pray, love fame, but also wrote big magic. Mm -hmm. And the subtitle of that is creative living beyond fear. Mm -hmm. That book is wonderful. I mean, eat, pray, love was hugely influential in my life. Also, I think it ultimately got me onto the path of yoga that I'm on. And I say that, and it's a long story, not the, the movie with Julia Roberts, but like the book, <laughs> the book, yeah. book, book. It better. just found itself into my hands right when I needed it. Um, but um, she also speaks so much to creative living yeah. beyond, mm. you know, beyond fear. And really, I, I've, I've had to move past a lot of fear, which is also shame to yeah. moving and acknowledging that I have a story to tell and I have the right to tell it. And I mean, someone who was silenced a lot as a sexual abuse survivor, that's something I had to continually work through to heal. Um, and having some buddy who has kind of given that permission in the ways that she, she's also an insight timer. She has like all of these influential, um, talks that you can listen to and meditations. And she's just a spirit guide of mine. She pops into my life all the time, somehow, some way, and is just hugely influential. Um, but had I known you were going to ask about 
Probably would have liked. So here's what we'll do. I know. I completely researched it more. So here's what we'll do. We will include Lauren's contact information mm-hmm. on our website. And maybe you could, you know, think Together about making some list. recommendations for people who would want to know. Think, yes. Things that you've read, books that you've read, things that you listened to that made a difference. And mm-hmm. because I always say, if you feel or think something, the chances are somebody else yeah. are thinking and feeling, having the same question or wanting or needing the same thing and i just i love listening to you talk and you would reference certain books and certain authors i was like yes i want to read this and i need to read that and that's you know i get that feeling too in fact i verbalized that feeling to my friend that i was like i feel like i need all the books and i just can't get enough of the books it shows it shows it shows well i will tell you the book i'm reading right now tell me and that that will be good short answer and then maybe i'll give a list for you to like overall books that will maybe be helpful but i'm reading a book that's blowing my mind by stephen cope and y'all maybe have read it or heard it it's called the great work of your life Mm And it's about Dharma. Okay. And it's a lot about, there's a lot of mention of the Bhagavad Gita, but it's not a scholarly study of that. Okay. But that's a central thought in the Bhagavad Gita is Dharma, which is purpose, yeah. which is your gifts, you know, and mm-hmm. your calling. And they use the word vocation, which may or may not be your career, yeah. right? Or how you make your money, but it's just what you have to do. It's like what you're called to do, what you would do for free. Yeah. And that also is sustaining, it sustains you and sustains the world. So it's a mm-hmm. gift back. Wow. Yeah. So and name the book again. So for- the great work of your life. I hope I'm saying that right by Stephen Cope. And it talks a lot about like these people, these great in the history of our, you know, modern day, like Jane Goodall, Robert Frost, Henry David Thoreau, these people who were living these kind of extraordinary lives and they were living out their dharmas and it just kind of examines that. And it just gives me chills because just the idea that we really all are given this gift. And I think, you know, bringing it back to the Enneagram, so important for a four to remember, like you are here for a reason. And also you're not that different from everyone else. Mm -hmm. Like that's important. I think I wanted to, I think that's probably in my notes too. It's like, (laughs) yeah, I'm a unicorn, but I'm not that different. I think yoga helps you, you know, yes, I can honor my gifts and at the same time know that I'm not, you know, all like, that's why community is so important that people can be a loving mirror to you and just be like, yeah, Lauren, I'm struggling with that too. You know what I mean? Like you're not alone in that thought. You're not alone in that insecurity. Like we're all feeling that, you know, to remember that's such a nice feeling. Cause I think I did always feel like I'm the only one that feels this way. Sure. No. A lonely place to be. Yeah. So good. (laughs) Speaking of, um, Dharma, uh, Howard Thurman, I'm pretty sure, was a four. He was um, an African-American theologian and poet. And he said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come fully alive and then go and do that for what the world needs as people who have come alive. And I would say that the Enneagram and yoga are both pointing us to that of, of, of coming fully alive and then going and offering, right? Yeah. And offering this healthier, better version of ourself without ego, right? Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, we're, we're all, you know, I think we always, and ego sometimes needs it to surfaces. be there. We wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't be doing this podcast if we didn't have a little ego. Right. Yeah. Of course. 
course. But yeah, keeping it in balance, keeping it in check, making sure it's not necessarily driving the, the ship or the boat or the car or whatever vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we do. It forms us. And yeah. it, it's a part of who we are, but we have to spend this second yeah. half of our life letting that go. Absolutely. And, and yeah. And, and sort of for me too, remembering that um, it's not about me. Yeah. At the end of the day, when I'm giving back my gifts, it's yeah. not about me, yeah. which is great because then I can be, I can kind of be like, yeah, I'm a great yoga teacher because it's just, I'm the vessel and yoga speaks for itself. And this ancient yeah. wisdom speaks for itself. If you could just empty yourself and get out of the way a little bit, like yeah. it's just not, it's not about me. Which I think fours are good at because yeah. you're so authentic. Like I would say fours are really good at making sure it's not about me. So I would. I would honor that oh, about Miss Force that I know. Thank you. Um, okay. Well, a, a question about yoga. Um, you know, in yoga classes, we hear that word equanimity quite quite a lot. And, and that actually is um, an important word for the four because the four often needs to work on finding balance between, you know, gratitude and, and sadness. Sadness is a way that they bless the rest of us because they teach the rest of us how to feel the depth of their feelings. Um, but, but they need to also embrace the goodness of life and the joy and, you know, all that is good. Um, so how do you work on finding equanimity and maybe what is a yoga pose that helps you find that equanimity in your body, mind, heart? Yes. I was thinking a lot about this question. It's actually the equinox today too. So Mm. equal, daylight today of dark and light and wow the thought of like meant to be finding it to totally meant to be <laughs> finding balance you know transition um I do struggle with finding a sense of groundedness too um so I mean the first thing I thought was like oh I love pigeon um and that's what I put down in my little notes but then when I was really thinking about it um I would say that breath and breath work and specifically um you know, being able to kind of balance the channels, uh, like mm-hmm. doing naughty show and alternate nostril breath is a very helpful thing. I actually did that in the car before I got, came in. Um, mm. Breath in general, like even if it's just like just watching your breath or just kind of taking, you know, one minute even mm-hmm. to observe the breath for me, I think has been such a powerful thing. I mean, you hear teachers say all the time, yoga is not about your poses. It's about the breath. Mm. And really that breath is so portable. Like, you know, I didn't even have to get into a yoga pose. I pull up to the, you know, office and I mean, being really aware is helpful for me. I need to just make sure I'm not like, you know, spinning off into, um, you know, overactive, overactive nervous system or whatever. Um, but being able to just kind of slow the breath down is really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say if I'm looking for a sense of balance it's my breath that I always turn to, but then, you know, layering in a good restorative posture, a good, you know, Mm -hmm. I hold everything in my hips. So I'm always getting into half pigeon Mm. (laughs) and, and that's also the one that usually makes everybody cry. So of course the four is going to love half pigeon. (laughs) I'm always, I'm always like a good, the sign of a good yoga class is if somebody's crying at the end of it, it's my love language. Um, but then also there's times too, when like, if I need a little more like elevation, you know, like I get into like those overly, you know, I guess in yoga, you'd say kafik or just tamasa 
basic or just overly grounded, um, doing some simple sun A's is a good boost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a good reminder to listeners too, that really you don't have to go to a class. Yep. You don't have to invest Thank all you. of that time. You you can just stop, drop and do some sun salutation A's like that. And like the sun, it heats us, it illuminates us, like all the qualities of the sun we have available inside of us, which I love that. That's kind of Ayurveda lens right there Mm -hmm. is like we're microcosms of the world and you know, what the sun can offer us is what we have inside of us too. So you need a little pick me up, you do some sun A's. If you need some grounding, you turn to the breath or you get down on the floor and you do some releasing postures. Those mm-hmm. are, you know, yoga's magic. Yoga's so magic. magic. I love that. Instead of stop, drop and roll, it's stop, <laughs> drop and sun A's. Yep, yep. Stop, <laughs> drop and sun A's. I mean, and pick your tool. There, there's, I mean, yoga really is a technology at the end of the day that yeah. you can choose, you know, which energy are you feeling? You really become aware okay, do I need some more grounding or do I need a little elevating? And you have kind of both of those at your, Mm -hmm. at your fingertips, literally. Mm -hmm. I agree. Practical application of what it provides to anybody who wants to use it. And it's all different, but it's practical. Yeah. You can use it. So I love that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have a question about being moody and broody. (laughs) Let's get down to business. And this is my last question. I'm always a sunshine. (laughs) I'm always a ray. Well, so being a one, Enneagram one, I understand what being moody and broody means because under stress, that's exactly where I go. And um, I could feel melancholy and blue and kind of just, just moody and broody. So when you feel this way, and I know we all feel this way at times, um, how do you, um, what kind of mindful practices do you use to kind of get yourself out of the funk? And how do I guess how you catch it? And then how do you get out of it? Yeah, I love this question. Um, and I think for a like long time, I would be so afraid to slide into a funk or so afraid yeah. of the moody broody, you know, yeah. I, I definitely would uh, think that the the sunshine version of me, the unicorn, the yeah. you know, oh, this is the one I want to present to people, sure. and I don't want people to see this other, you know, dark, crashed, you know, moody, emo version of myself. But I've really, you know, I have to, without becoming too wallowy and too victimized, learn that those are periods that happen for me, and sometimes I have to embrace them a little bit, you know, and not fight against them too much, not try to fix it too much. Mm -hmm. You know, I I can be really aware that I'm sliding into that. And this is the time of year when it really gets that way too. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's going to start to get colder. It's going to get darker. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have to ramp up for me a lot of self care. I have to really be aware. And it's kind of go back to basics too. Like I need to make meals for myself and really make sure I'm grocery shopping for myself. I mean, fours, I think they can be a little bit like rebel. Really? Yeah. What's your favorite not, food? My, to, we're talking right, my about. to do, you, my favorite food. Yeah. What's your go-to? Oh, well, I love Mexican food, mm-hmm. but I also love yes. comfort. I mean, just like yeah. carbohydrates. Yeah. I feel like are just, you know, pasta. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this time of year, soups. Feel good. Feel yeah. good. But I don't think for, I know for me as a four, I think I've had a hard time and maybe this is for, maybe this is trauma, maybe it's both of learning to really care for just the basics in myself, like make your to-do list and, 
kind of keep that schedule and have the food and make the food and, you know, yeah. all of those things. Sure. And when I'm in that kind of mood, I think I want someone to come take care of me, you know, yeah. fours are definitely mm-hmm. like looking to be rescued a lot. <laughs> so That's such a good place to be sometimes. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so I always want like my two friends to come and help me, yeah. you know, because they're so helpful <laughs> like that and come be my mom. Um, but it's helpful for me to just be like, hey, I'm, I'm in this space. Yeah. Give myself a lot of love. Um, not necessarily allow myself to wallow, but know that that maybe I can not expect so much, yeah. maybe not do so much. Yourself. And then also it's good to connect. I think, you know, I always say like if you're if I'm starting to feel really like depressed, mm-hmm. isolating is not good. Right. You know, I need to give myself some space, but being really isolated is really bad. Though I need to pick up the phone. Yeah. I need to call someone even just saying how you feel helps you process how you feel so like that's why for a long time I was like why do I have to say how I feel even though I'm four you know you would think you want to it's because our brains really process it that way yeah it brings it to the front and helps us oh yeah okay I'm sad and it's okay you know this will pass yeah yeah wow I I mean you are amazing goosebumps goosebumps for a whole hour I, I know. It. I know our listeners have just enjoyed every moment of this. You're Y'all so authentic. Sweet. That's the yes. thing about being with a four is that they're so real. And, you know, you said earlier that you're a writer, but I think you're also a speaker. So I just want to affirm that, that you have a gift of speaking. You have a gift of words, whether that's the written word or whether that's the spoken spoken word. I want to just say Thank that you. to you and hope that you hear my voice occasionally and, and that maybe that will inspire you to do some other things with speaking because you're great. I know you do that as a yoga teacher, but... Man, it's a different level. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She is. She is amazing. Um, And I, I'm just thankful for all the fours in the world right now. I I mean, amen. Amen. They bless us. They help Mm -hmm. us to, to connect to our, our feelings. um, And, and they just, they're real and they encourage us to be who we, who we are and to um, connect to our heart space. Cause you know, as a two, I, I like to help other people with their heart space, but I don't always go to my own. But my sure. four friends and you, Lauren, help me to go there. So yeah. mm-hmm. I felt I felt very present in my heart space today during this interview. So. I felt a lot of emotion, and it felt so good. Yes, Aww. and that does not happen much at all. So yeah. thank you for that. This like, I again, know. I've taken create, some classes from you. You create so. this space that. Like on a subconscious level, just mm-hmm. makes it okay. Like I don't know, last time I teared up. Yeah, they give us permission. Yes, they give us. It permission. makes okay. So that is your gift, and I thank you for that. I feel so seen right now and loved, y'all. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you for Lord. having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. So this meditation that I'm about to offer is for Lauren. All Enneagram 4s and anyone who's on a journey of wanting to grow and explore their feelings. Victor Hugo said, melancholy is the happiness of being sad. And that is a feeling that I experienced during this interview with Lauren. I just felt 
so much more open in my heart space and it felt beautiful. And so we're just so thankful for Lauren and all of our fours for the way that they can open us up to our feelings. Also, Lauren mentioned that she had done another interview and I just wanted to let you know that that was the Never Perfect podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you might want to check that out and find Lauren's interview with Beth Capici on the Never Perfect podcast, which we highly recommend. And we're going to find our meditation now. And you might want to take Lauren's advice and do some form of pigeon pose, whether that's half pigeon, reclined pigeon, maybe um, just a simple figure four or deer pose. So if you're a yogi and you're familiar with one of those poses, you can do that during the meditation. So if you were starting out, you might have the left knee over the left ankle and be on your back with the right ankle coming to the top of the left thigh. If you wanted to start out in just a figure four and root your back down into the earth and make sure you do both sides if you choose to do any form of pigeon but just listen to your body you might be sitting in a chair you might be driving your car do whatever feels right to you but just knowing that we all have different parts of our body where we can really feel our feelings or release our feelings and for for many people the hips is one of those places and so that might be a great place to do this meditation if that's for you but listen to what you need and let's start with the breath for this meditation and stay with the breath during the entire meditation. Breathing in through your nose. Exhale out through the mouth. Another deep breath in. Finding your exhale. Soften the shoulders away from the ears. Stay with the breath, the life force within you. And I just want to express gratitude for the way force bless the world through their creativity, introspective way, through their feelings. I embrace and celebrate their unique way of living in the world. In this meditation, I commit to working on seeing myself and finding people in the world who see me for who I am. I am significant. I am enough. I let go of my belief that the grass is greener somewhere else and the idea that something is missing inside of me or outside of me. Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of all joy. And I'm aware that the way I compare or compete with others does not serve me. I acknowledge my tendency to run away from others and life. 
and I recognize my need to move towards life and hard things. While my feelings are deep, I am aware of my tendency to get stuck in negative feelings. And I commit to being more aware of positive feelings and all there is to be grateful for. I am truly my best self when I feel the joy and pain of life. I commit to cultivating the virtues of equanimity, hope, joy, and gratitude. As this meditation comes to an end, I know that I am enough. I am grateful for the goodness of life. And I choose to run towards life, engage in it fully, and celebrate my unique way of seeing beauty in this world. I see myself and choose to offer my gifts of creativity to the world. Deep breath in through your nose. Exhale out through the mouth. Namaste, friends.